If you're the person who says, so I was listening to a podcast the other day, then this podcast is for you. I'm Suzanne Whitman and welcome to Podcast Therapy. I love listening to podcasts and sharing them with my friends, but more than that, podcasts have been a place for inspiration, knowledge, and even comfort when I needed to hear my favorite podcasters' voices. I'll highlight the best of the best traveling the podcast globe so you don't have to. Each week, I'll either talk about my favorite podcast, have some conversations and some laughs with friends about their favorite podcasts, and even interview the podcasters themselves. So join me through this journey as we discover why podcasts have become so meaningful to all of us. Hey, Carissa. Hi. How are you? I'm well, thank you. How about you? I'm good. Thanks. So thanks for joining me. Um, Why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself, uh, what you do, Uh, because what I'm learning more than anything is even though the podcasts that people share with me are really interesting, um, the people are very interesting. Uh, And I think you're in a group of of ladies who um, they're really interesting in general. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, sure. Thank you. I am an infection preventionist, actually. And, you know, during a pandemic, it's a very interesting time to, to say to people that that's what you do for a living, just because it carries a little more weight than usual. Um, prior to COVID being a thing, I would say what I would do and people would be like, huh, what's, what's that? Or like, <clears throat> not really care about, but, you know, they hear infection and um, automatically kind of think of related to COVID and kind of almost put a little higher priority on what I do. Yeah. So now what it, can you describe exactly what you do? Sure. So I work for um, a healthcare system and I am a nurse by background. Uh, and what I do is help the hospital keep patients and their staff safe by um education for all different types of staff across the board from uh, providers through the housekeeping staff. And there's a regulatory component to what I do to help ensure that the hospitals or clinics that I, that, um, I support are implementing best practice, CDC guidelines, CMS guidelines, um, depending on who they're accredited by. So joint commission, things like that. Awesome. Yeah, you're right. I think in, in the past people would have been like, yeah, I'm not really interested in knowing what you do, but nowadays, right. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Right. Right. So, um, okay. So we're going to talk about your favorite podcast. Well, you, you listen to a couple of them, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to pick one, but, um, you had mentioned that, I don't know, is this, I guess it's not going on anymore, right? That there was a podcast that you would listen to in the past. And that the West, was the West Wing Weekly. Okay. So tell mm-hmm. me about that. So I came to just the West Wing, the TV show late. So it had already been off the air and in syndication. And I started watching it um, on the recommendation of a friend of mine who had actually been after me since it was still actively releasing new episodes to that I would really enjoy it. And um, 
I came to it because I had always been a fan of the the movie The American President, which is you know also an Aaron Sorkin creation, mm-hmm. and just the way that how things were in the country and political turmoil, I was kind of searching for kind of a more of a utopian version of what, you know, compared to what we were actually living in at the time. And so I watched the, you know, just like powered through the entire series, then kind of real, you know, picked up and realized that there was a podcast that that went through every single episode of the show and then immediately devoured that as well. And I felt that it kind of enriched my watching of the show and more appreciation, not only of the show, but then also like local, local and federal government that they dove into and different aspects of the show that, you know, they compared it to real life. Are you, are you at all interested in, in, government issues I mean is that something that you always were interested in or well part of my job as I mentioned um, the regulatory aspect you know CDC um, centers for Medicare Medicaid CMS that oversee different regulations on hospitals so I do kind of have a little bit of a federal component to what I do I also report um, communicable diseases and different types of hospital acquired infections directly to a federal database Okay. So yes, I am also a fan, was a fan of the West Wing, also was a fan of the American president, both uh, my husband is a social studies teacher, and he actually uh, still to this day shows episodes from West Wing to his classes. Uh, Most of the time, they are absolutely um, enthralled by it. They just love it. And it's like, of course, how could you not love it, right? I suppose if you're a Republican, you could love it. (laughs) Um, So I didn't, I didn't know because I got into podcasting. Oh gosh. Well, you know, um, probably in the last five years or so. And uh, like you said, the show was off the air. So I didn't even think to go looking for that, but um, I might have to check that out and see. Did you have a favorite, favorite character on the show? I didn't. I just had I have more favorite episodes than favorite characters. Can you tell me a favorite episode? Do you remember? Uh, yes. Most of the Thanksgiving episodes are mm. are my favorite, but Indians in the Lobby is my favorite episode. Which one? Can you give us a synopsis? Sure. So <laughs> um, there are Native Americans that are kind of staging a sit-in in the lobby of the White House because an appointment that they had scheduled needed to be rescheduled, but they really felt that their issue that they were bringing forth um, was important and they were willing to like be arrested in view of the press and that tribe that they're representing is actually Wisconsin is based in Wisconsin now was not originally, but they're now in Wisconsin. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which, the Stockbridge Muncie. The Stockbridge Muncie. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, I'm I'm gonna have to like go rewatch that. That's cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, the, obviously, that's that's not the main issue. Then there's like the the Bartlett side of things. Is he calls the Butterball hotline? Oh, I don't. Okay, I don't remember has, this. And has <laughs> to create like a false persona because butterball wants to like log all their calls and so he like makes up a fake name and 
address, you know, to, and it, it's, it's just, you know, off the wall. It's in Fargo. He makes up some address in Fargo and needs to figure out the zip code and, you know, gets a, an assistance bringing the zip code. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, and he was so good. You know, Martin Sheen on there was so good at, obviously, you know, these lines are written for him and everything, but you know, whether it was his, you know, Bible quotes that were a representation of whatever situation they were going through. But like you said, kind of that utopian where like, let's all get along and we can be civil about this and just the humor of, you know, his staff. I think about like, I'm trying to remember all the names that like Rob Lowe's characters, Sam Seaborn, I think it was. Yeah. yeah. And, um, Oh, Josh Lyman. Josh, oh my gosh. You know, um, CJ, you know, when they mm-hmm. called her, what was her nickname? They were, she learned her nickname. Do you remember? Oh, I mean her, like, uh, her, her, her code name or whatever. Yeah. Flamingo. So I think it was <laughs> just really incredibly witty. Anyway, um, we're both fans of West Wing. I'm going to have to find that episode, rewatch that. Um, I'm glad someone else is out there that is lives near me that actually was a fan. So I'm going to have to ask my husband if he remembers, uh, the butterball thing. He probably does. He probably remembers. <laughs> like I said, he was showing them to his, to his classes. So, um, he probably does remember, but thanks for the, well, and there's a running joke also throughout where, where Bartlett is telling them how to base, like how to first, um, brine a Turkey and he carries like it through. And it's like, it's, that's the one, one carry through, through, through a whole episode. He has to tell like every single character how to brine a Turkey. That's so good. I love it. I love it. What is your favorite podcast that you wanted to talk a little bit about? Uh, noble blood. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, in all honesty, I did not, I did find it kind of was like, Oh, history. And then I was like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> that's just me. I'm like, well, that's okay. I'm getting better. I'm getting better. Um, but I, I didn't listen to any episodes. So you have got to tell me what it's all about. And if you can remember some of the details, like some favorite episodes. Sure. Uh, it's, it is about some of them are more well-known. Um, others are kind of, well, for me, seemed more obscure. Um, either they're all to do with royalty or nobility of some sort that have sort of a sordid, bloody history um, to them, you know, either be it murders that they themselves had performed or had done in their name or that were they were associated with. Um, even if they, they actually just got a bad rap that it, that the stories associated with them weren't true at all. And it's centered, you know, a lot of the, the stories are centered around women. And then it's compared to how during that time women were viewed and then how like currently how something similar could actually happen in today's day and age, even if it was from the 17th century based on how there is a carry through throughout history of how either strong women, powerful women, knowledgeable women are viewed. So it doesn't just give you a nugget of history class, so to speak, but it kind of like brings that theme into our current, like modern society. Can you think of one? Like, can you give us an example of one? Mm -hmm. Um, So one of them was about kind of like the female version of Dracula she became known as because she is from Transylvania and she if you googled her supposedly she's a so she's like one of the most 
prolific serial killers in history. All these hundreds of deaths are associated with her, but they do a good job of contrasting both sides of things of how you could, how that in court played out, how this person was, I don't want to say um, how, why that, why it even became a case in the first place, what truths were surrounding it, and then how that could have been, you know, this person was painted, this woman was painted in this light just because um, other noble families wanted to see her dynasty brought down. And how, because she was originally from Transylvania and brought some of those cultural methods for healing during that time and it, and a woman to practice that, you know, simply things that hadn't found favor throughout Europe yet, either be it bloodletting or maggots or bathing in ice cold water. Um, those things were viewed by the case that was presented as being torture for her servants, but it makes a good case of saying, was she really just taking care of her household? Mm. You know, all the things that all the different items that she was allegedly being, you know, charged with cruelty could have been just, you know, practicing medicinal folk remedies from where she was from okay. and not, you know, with a good intention. And then and how, it does kind of leave it up to the viewer to kind of make your own kind of interpretation. And how do you compare that today to, to today? Sure. So any, um, lots of, take that back. So often strong women, either in strong from their profession or regardless of how much of an expert they are in their field, any there's any little fault or any little question of of how their their methods are whatever how either they're how they rose to throughout their field or rose to fame or rose to power regardless of where they are they're um often is often like a dark shadow kind of cast over that well you know it's because she did this or because well you know she hitched her wagon to this star and it's not really her that could possibly have achieved this. It's because she's, you know, because she's female, she mm-hmm. can't possibly have this much knowledge and be able to excel in this on her own. Right. And you're right. I mean, that's it's <laughs> almost like we're still consistently apologizing, right. For, you know, if you are a strong female, let's just say in whatever company, right. Then the label is you know, you're the big B, right? Or right. you rose to the top because you did something, <laughs> whatever that is. Right. Um, it's not on your own merit. And yet, right. if you were to be authentic and, I don't know, be emotional during a confrontation, now you're, now you're an emotional woman, right? That's right. bad. And it's just right. the, the stigma of what looks what would be deemed strong in a man isn't the same for a woman. And we still consistently fight that. I just, so in my line of work, I, you know, I deal a lot with the issues of patriarchy and, you know, the injustices towards women and uh, women of color. And um, 
I actually just recently showed the movie um, on the basis of sex to our interns because they hadn't seen it, which have you seen that movie? No. Oh my gosh. You would need to watch. It's the Ruth Bader Ginsburg story, basically. Okay. It's really good. Um, But what floored them was the depiction of the men who basically kind of poo-pooed her, right? You know, like, oh, like, what are you doing here at Harvard? You know, like, oh, you know, wow, we're, you're so fortunate to be here. Well, what about all these other men? You know, like I'm here because I worked hard to get here. Why is it, why is it fortunate for me? Um, Or dismissing, you know, her ideas or, you know, even just kind of playing the backseat to her husband's role, who was also a lawyer. Uh, And so the interns were just livid they were like oh my gosh I can't believe like he's treating her like that or he's talking down to her like that and I just was like no hate to tell you that still exists Mm -hmm. that's still here and so we were kind of trying to dissect that and unpack it all and figure out you know how do you in real life practically how do you deal in situations like that have you ever had to encounter something like that in your line of work Mm -hmm. um I do uh with providers, uh, uh, there's a larger percentage of um, providers that are male, especially in the surgical field. So um, male surgeons, you know, instantly, you know, dismiss you often based solely on your gender. I've had students with me that have been male who have been instantly walking in a room given more authority in a meeting than myself. Hmm. Is there anything that you, is there anything you do about that? I, I use very strong body language when I walk into a room with a bunch of providers that I know I need to command their attention immediately. Um, so a lot of assertive, any of the, any of the things that we associate with like a woman acting meek or mild, Mm -hmm. any of those types. So no looking down, no, um, you know, how I carry my arms, Mm -hmm. how I stand, how I even, I, you know, almost like (laughs) what we associate with someone who's trying to be snobbish or regal, like keeping your head up, um, just because of the fact that, I want them to know that I am there to give them information that I have an, an amount of expertise that I'm carrying with me, not out of the authority that the organization has given me, but that my profession and my um, experience has given me. So I love this conversation because this is the kind of thing that, you know, the daily work that I'm involved in and the idea that you have to actually almost prepare yourself right before you walk into that room where you know that a man isn't doing that right right I mean he walks in and he knows who he is and what he does and whatever he says is what it is right but you even before you walk in is you are trying to I don't know if it's like de-stigma I can't even think of the word if there's a stigma, you're trying to like change that, right? So that there isn't this perception of you, like you said, of being meek. And when I was talking to the interns about this and kind of saying, 
trying to tell them partially that your approach in these situations, and unfortunately I have to say is going to be a little bit calculated. That is what it is. Right. And they were like, well, I should be able to do what I want to do. And if I get passionate and riled up and come in with, you know, guns blazing or whatever, that's like, I shouldn't have to apologize for that. And I was like, in theory, (laughs) you're right. You shouldn't. However, to be heard and to be respected at this point in time, you actually have to think about your approach when you come in and it doesn't, you know, doesn't have to be with surgeons. It could be with a CEO of a company. It could, it could be with your professor at school. It could be with um, your boss at at work, whatever. Right. Um, That's how it is. And they, um, one of them was not happy with that. She was, you know, and I said, I'm, I'm not telling you to not be you. And I'm not telling you to not be impassioned um, or that you don't deserve to be who you are, any of these things, but to be effective. Because unfortunately you come in in a certain way, you will be ignored and you will not be heard. And that was really hard for them to swallow. It really was. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that, that somebody in the real world is saying out loud that they actually have to do something like this in order to move forward. Um, And it isn't a cop out and it isn't, uh, you're not apologetic about it. Uh, You just know that this is how you can be effective. So would you agree with that? I agree hundred percent. And there are times where I may have to apologize, but it's because I did, if I don't have a fact, that they're asking me for at the top of my head, but it's, I, I, you know, yes, I don't apologize for any truth that I'm bringing to them that they don't want to hear. Now, are you from here originally? From Wisconsin? Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm from, I'm born and raised in Green Bay. Okay. In fact, um, <laughs> go pack, go. Mm-hmm. Hey, I was, I was just at Lambeau Field yesterday. Um, nice. Yeah. There was a, a foundation thing going on with nonprofits. And so we were there and we got to go to the field and got to meet one of the players, et cetera, et cetera. But anyway, yes. Um, interesting enough, because I love to listen to podcasts. I have quite a long commute. Um, I was listening to some women who uh, run multi-million dollar businesses. And one of them originally said she was from the Midwest. And she said something about, we also have a tendency as women to apologize, you know, for for everything. And she gave the example of like, you know, you're walking into a store and someone bumps into you and you're like, I'm sorry. And it's like, wait a minute, I didn't bump into you. You bumped into me. And she said, I literally had to stop myself. Like I have to practice not apologizing because call it whatever you want. The Wisconsin nice, the Midwest white nice, or whatever it is, we have been raised to be these, you know, good people, nice people. And so, um, what was cool is she said, so I, instead I'll say, excuse me. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, okay. That's all right. You know? Um, but I think that's also something that we, we deal with here. Um, again, you might get a reputation of being a certain kind of woman. If you aren't Wisconsin nice. I mean, do you feel that at all? Have you seen that or at all? I have seen that at play in the workplace with leaders in you know, operational leaders um, that, 
that are exhibiting those traits, you know, they they come across as being, well, I was going to say they come across as, you know, people talk behind their back that they're a bitch, but um, when they're just being assertive and carrying themselves in with the role that they have. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So back to the podcast, Noble yes. Bloods, anything mm-hmm. else you want to share about it? I mean, um, you know, and one of the things I, I really want to know is I find it fascinating what people listen to, because if you were to look at my podcast library, some of it makes absolute sense. You know, I have had a background in business development and fundraising and economic development. And so there's, there's a few of those quote unquote work podcasts where I'm just trying to gather information, you know, um, across the board and learn more. But then what's been so fascinating is I have this assumption that if you are, for example, I had someone on who was, who is, um, she is in grad school. Think about that. I think she's in grad school, but she is, um, a scientist essentially. And so you would think, you know, I'm like, Oh, so you must listen, like listen to like cool science podcasts. And she's like, no, like I do that. I do too much of that for work. I really want something that's different. So what, what drew you to having Noble Bloods be one of your favorite podcasts? Are you a history buff or is it like you said, because of the depiction of women that carries out through that you can still relate to right now? I, I am a history buff. I've always been very interested in, you know, different aspects of history um, because of my field of healthcare. So anything that depicts medicine um, throughout the ages or even medical anthropology has always been kind of a, you know, a side interest of mine. I, one of my favorite sections of like the Noble Blood podcast is uh, they do go through the different wives of Henry VIII. And that was like a paper. I remember writing a paper on the executions of his wives. <laughs> like, oh my and, God. Yeah. Back a long, long, long time ago. So have you heard of a podcast called Sawbones? No. Okay. So I'm going to recommend that to you. Um, someone else who, um, she's actually a food scientist. She, this was the one that she wanted to talk about. And essentially that it is a husband and wife team and the wife is a doctor and they talk about kind of debunking, um, some of those myths of medicines that existed out there. And I'm not, and not only like, I mean, there are a lot that are like really from far back. Right. But some of them are even from today or, or this, you know, decade. Um, And they'll just be, it's more of, it's supposed to be more comedy. Um, So they're kind of, the husband's kind of goofy about it and, you know, just tries to make it a little bit more light, but she's got the medical background that says, yeah, like that doesn't work. Like, you know, Um, so you should check that out. Okay see if you find it fun to listen to. So, uh, you know, one of the things too, with this is I just, the hope is to continue to share other podcasts. Um, I know that there are some, like, I want to call smaller podcasts that not a lot of people know about that. Uh, I'll other people will share with me or I'll share with them and just to support the podcasters that are out there, but they're actually very, very good. So I'm hoping to um, highlight some of those, but yeah. So I guess for, if you're a history buff, you, we, we, are, we recommend this. Do you recommend this podcast? I do. I do. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, Carissa, thank you so much. I think you, uh, there's, you're fascinating. Uh, it, I'm so glad I have someone to talk to when I want to talk about West Wing issues and 
parents or it needs to do another, like, you know, from now, like one now it was so good. Right. It was right. so good. Um, you, you did see that they did, uh, during, uh, you know, it was, a it was a fundraiser. They re taped, um, an episode like on a stage no. with all the original actors. No, where can I find that? I believe HBO has it because now they're the ones who are running, like have it in syndication now. So okay. HBO now or HBO, yeah. Or HBO when, did that, when did that come out just recently? Um, no, it came out in uh, about a year ago. So like right before ago. the election, it was. I'll have to see if I can find that. That would be mm-hmm. cool. Well, thank you for that. And then I'll have to also listen to the podcast and see, you know, kind of reminisce. Um, we've, we actually have, I feel like we have a few of the seasons on DVD, which, you know, makes me sound super old. Um, so I can pull those out pretty easy though, because um, they are fun to watch. But again, thank you for sharing your favorite podcast. Thank you for the talk. Thank you for, um, you know, for the, the women's empowerment talk too, because we can't have oh, yeah. enough of that. So of course, um, yeah, thank you. Appreciate the time. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right. Well, have a good rest of your evening. You too. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So I just wanted to thank you for listening. Talking with people and learning about them is one of my favorite things. The other, of course, is finding new podcasts to listen to. If you like this show, leave me a five-star review on Apple podcasts and you can follow me there or on Spotify Player FM, and Amazon Music. I feature a new episode each week, so make sure to come back and make time for some podcast therapy.